Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swan Dingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome back to another episode of Swan Dingo Files. Today, I have Nick Wingo, former firefighter, and now he's becoming his own entrepreneur. And let's all welcome Nick. And if you want to just talk about, like, what made you choose to be a firefighter, first responder? still just, it's very noble profession, a very hard profession. And just why, why did you choose that as a career path? Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you bringing me on the podcast to share. Um, so I, I was actually someone who came out of high school who wanted to join the military and I had permanent disqualification because of asthma. And so I, I was unable to join. And so when I, uh, when I realized I couldn't join the military, I, I, my mom had mentioned to me like, Oh, Hey, you want to try this firefighter thing out? And so I was, I was like, well, that's a good way to serve. And so I went to a fire academy at, at, right out of high school. And, you know, from there, I realized that this was what I wanted to step into was, was becoming a firefighter. Um, little did I know is what it would really entail uh, because, you know, going into the fire department, I thought that, you know, that's men would want to be me and the women would want to be with me. And I was going to be this hero and it was this great job. You know, this is post 9-11. So I started in, in 2003. And so, you know, firefighters are still like this glorified job that everybody was, you know, really looking to. Um, little did I know, it was not so much of what I thought it was going to be, for sure. Okay, so uh, so when you joined, like, how long was the training to get in to be a firefighter? Well, really, I mean, it's only about a year's worth of training. You know, for me, it was uh, EMT basic school and firefighter one school, uh, and that's just one semester each. And that gives you the things necessary to get into the fire department. What I did is I went and did the fire one and I joined, a, a, I got hired on as a resident firefighter and I went to EMT school. I was, while well, I was a resident and, you know, I, I gained a, a significant amount of certifications and stuff over the, the span of my career, but to initially get in really all you need is two classes. It's EMT basic and your fire one. Okay. And so you, you were a full-time one, not a volunteer, right? Yeah, no, I, I went in, I went in full time. So I, I went in as a resident. I spent the first few years as a resident and then I transitioned into full time um, and then moved to a different department about halfway through my career. So. Okay. Cause I know a lot of people, and especially in small communities, only see volunteers and that's a whole nother, that's a lot easier to get into being a volunteer, but not a lot of us actually ever spoken to a, you know, full-time firefighter before. Um, so what's the, what is your everyday life like as a full-time firefighter? Well, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's an incredible job. It re really is. There's a, there's a part of it that's really incredible. Uh, when I was working, I was doing 48, 96. So two days on, four days off was the schedule. Um, <clears throat> you are gone from your family for 48 hours a time, which can be difficult. However, it, there is a lot of time that you, I mean, you're having four days off at a time is, is significant. So there there is this whole piece of like, you do get to uh, be with your family for four days at a time, but then you're also gone for 48 hours. So 
um, that part of it was that part of it was really good. The, the part of it that was really difficult was dealing with what you dealt with. It was, you know, what, what a lot of people don't understand is when you're a firefighter, uh, a career firefighter, and some volunteers too, uh, you're not responding just to fires. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of what we do is medical calls. In fact, the last eight years of my career, I spent on an ambulance for the fire department uh, as a, as a medic, and so what I dealt with you know, as far as uh, the calls is really what ultimately led me to leaving the fire department because it was, it weighed heavy on me. I mean, just a lot of death, a lot of destruction, a lot of, a lot of death of children, uh, just a lot of difficult situations. So, so uh, let me ask you this, cause you know, I, I'm re- medically retired from the United States army. Um, I got my mental health issues due to what I've seen overseas. I'm sure you probably got some too. How do you deal everyday life? And have you ever been actually diagnosed with uh, any mental health issues? Yeah, actually, uh, I have I have post-traumatic stress. I have complex post-traumatic stress. I spent 35 days in treatment, um, and so I have I have been I've been through the mental health journey. I mean, it's been the biggest piece. Of, of my uh, my discovery, I, I actually lost um, several coworkers, half of one crew uh, throughout my career. Uh, several to suicide. I lost half of one crew. One fell off a roof, uh, landed on his pack, and killed him instantly. Another guy from that crew, he got brain tumors um, and started having seizures, and he committed suicide. And there's countless uh, around eleven, ten or eleven, I think total. Um, so I I had had a pretty rough career. And so when I went to, I actually, I looked at my partner one day and I told, I told him I was having nightmares and couldn't sleep. And uh, he went and told the captain and the captain came and said, hey man, you, you need to take a day out from work. I was like, perfect. I hate this place anyways. I, I really don't want to be here. I'm, I'm sick of this crap. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, then I had a string of events happen. My dad passed away six weeks after that. Uh, I just had some really difficult situations that arose and I started having severe suicide ideations. And I have lost five friends to suicide. And so I knew that I needed to go get help. And so I checked myself in to get help at a facility called the Center of Excellence. It's specifically for firefighters. Uh, It's in Maryland. I spent 35 days there. And that was where I took my pause. And I said, no more fire department. I've had enough. I've seen enough. I've dealt with enough. It's time for me to move on with my life. So let me ask you this. I'm sure you hear the commercials for veterans and all the other stuff. What What is the it like as firefighter slash EMT for mental health? Is there a big network out there or you just kind of figure it out as you go? So this is something that's severely under talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of the part of, you know, here's the thing is that like military. Okay, you guys go to war and people recognize that 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 you get post-traumatic stress, right? It is just now starting to be recognized that we as firefighters can have post-traumatic stress from the stress of the job. So just it, it's really and when I came up, it was suck it up, Sally, deal with it. We don't talk about our emotions, our feelings, right? And there was not many resources whatsoever. It was like, oh hey, yeah, by the way, you can get a counselor. Now that is changing slowly in the fire department. Because, uh, you know, I was the second person to leave my department on a post-traumatic stress claim. Um, you know, we, we, we've had so many suicides that they're finally going, okay, maybe we should do something about this whole mental health thing. 
So uh, the, the, the fire departments that are more progressive are actually starting to implement programs of like, hey, it's okay to talk about this stuff. It's, it's really necessary. It's necessary to process these things. And so there is a movement of people because of people like myself that are standing up and saying, hey, this is, this is not right. There is something wrong here and there's a lot of people struggling. And so there is a change starting, but it still has got a long road ahead to get to where we were, you know, where we're, we're starting to change that number of people committing suicide. Yeah, I sure the hell hope so. Jesus Christ. Like, I don't understand, like, why, why it's taking so long. Like, I know my biggest trauma is due to a child over in Iraq that I'm still dealing with today. My father, who's, he's only done volunteer time, and he's, I'm sure not seen nearly as much as you, but he's seen a few things alone on him, on his own part, just as a volunteer. And that was okay. just, like, when he could go. So, I don't understand I thought- why there's such... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I've dealt with that's no, okay. I, I was just uh, I've dealt with over fifty children child deaths in my career, um, and, and and some of those because of domestic violence. Mm. And so I, I I have been on several murder scenes before in my career. I have seen the aftermath. You know, I, what I explain to people is what they don't understand is that I see I have seen war on U.S. soil because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. There is a war going on in in, in the U.S. And a lot of people are unaware of, of what really goes on. And we, there is some messed up crap that is going on uh, in, in the compliance of our country. No, and I, I completely understand that. My wife is a nurse at the prison up here in uh, Iowa Park, Texas. And some of the other nurses and staff like to look up what some of these inmates did. And she'll, you know, not by name, I don't, she doesn't tell me, but I do find out what they did. And it's like, so I couldn't deal with those people at all. So I, I, I have a, I have a kind of a glimpse, especially down here in Texas, where they have a very abundant prison system. But it's just like, man, anything about like you know, cops got to respond to that. Firefighters, EMTs, you know, because I know the firefighters always go before the EMTs go, or well, most cases. I don't know if always, but I know in most cases, especially down here in Texas, they always go before the uh, EMTs go there. So. I know they're right there. I know they see the same some of the same things, and it's just like, how is it, how are they just not catching up? I, like, they're a big push for the veterans, yeah, but you know, in a short amount of span and a year, you're gonna see possibly more than most veterans will ever see. So even deployed mm-hmm. overseas, so totally. But so, which one did you like more, being a firefighter or the EMT part? Well, so I wouldn't know any difference because I've been a firefighter uh, medic my pretty much my entire career. Oh, so, so I got my both? EMT base. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that was that was my role in the fire department. It was was a paramedic. So I started oh, out okay. uh, with the fire department as a as an EMT basic. I uh, wasn't on an ambulance. I transferred to a department that ran the ran its own ambulances, and so I became a medic, and I was on the on the on the ambulance for the rest of my career. And oh, so yeah, it was it was a promotion. Yeah, it was a promotion to be oh. a paramedic because you went to school for a year to be a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you got out of school, then you were on the ambulance as the as the paramedic, and uh, you ran all the all the medical calls. And so, over the department I was on, uh, it was an engine and a medic unit would just respond to every call, every nine one one call that we got. So we were we were one unit coming together, and then I would split off with my partner, and we would take whatever the hospital um, 
and the engine go back to the house. So. Okay. That okay. That makes sense now. Got it. So. So. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I know you had a lot of bad times. Did you ever have any good times? So at least. As, as oh man, it's, uh, it's incredible. I mean, the fire department gave me incredible opportunities. Uh, some of the things I got to do, some of the things I got to see were incredible because of the fire department. Like I went on a medical mission to Uganda because I'm a medic and I would have never had that opportunity had I not gotten my paramedic. And that was an incredible experience. Um, I got to go volunteer as a paramedic at Burning Man. One of my coworkers died and uh, we took his ashes to Burning Man and we burned him in the temple. And I volunteered as a medic at, at that. And that was an incredible experience. Um, and just some of the, I mean, you know, some of the things I got to do was was super incredible. So there was really a lot of good that did come out of the job. Just the bad was really bad, right? So it was like there was really there was a lot of really good, and then there was a lot of really really bad stuff that um, that gives you nightmares for sure. The stuff that just sits with you for a long time. Yeah, and I'd have to say anything dealing with kids, I mm, I couldn't handle. Sorry, not dealing with it. So. I would have stopped probably totally. the first year or my first child or anything like that. Cause I have six kids myself. So I can only imagine like anything happening to a child. I, I can't stand it. But uh, so after when, as you, so when did you know you're, you were done? Like how, how long before you left being a paramedic, did you actually know that hey, I'm done? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to start, you know, getting ready, get myself ready to get out of here. Totally. So I got pulled offline um, in August of 20, August of 19. I got pulled offline August of 19. And um, I, it took me about, well, I, I went to, I went into treatment January of 20. Um, and when I was in treatment, that's when I made the decision. So I was, I was off for about seven to eight months and the doctor came to me and she said, look, you have post-traumatic stress. Uh, you know, I, in my opinion, it's probably not in your best interest to go back to the fire department. And I said, I, I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Like now that I've taken a pause and I had been out of it for at that point, about seven months, I realized there was no way for me to go back because I was just getting to the point where I could actually function. Um, and so that was when I, I decided that I'm going to apply for disability. So I applied for disability, uh, and I've been out, I've been out since. So. So you got out and so how long before you started looking at your next journey before th that you were out of being a paramedic? Yeah. So I, uh, I use my paramedic to do, um, IV vitamin IVs. So I go into I do mobile IV stuff where I go into people's houses and give them an IV with uh, vitamins and and uh, medications. It's an incredible job. It's like really super laid back, kicked back. Like I come in and I give people an IV and I leave them and they're like they're feeling like crap. And I come in and I give them this treatment and they're feeling great. It's the best job ever. Uh, so I do that about twenty hours a week, and I've just been enjoying life, man. Like I've been reconnecting with my kids. I've been reconnecting with my wife. Um, I, I've been working on my mental health every day. Uh, you know, I've developed some practices that help me out significantly. I share those with other with other people. I have several firefighters that I work with uh, and just help them to see uh, that they can get out of their own way and they can have a, 
uh, a productive life and they have they can have ways to manage their post-traumatic stress and so i'm just i'm kind of cruising through I'm cruising through life right now and uh just enjoying things as they come and and just letting whatever god has in store for me whatever's next for me i'm just letting him letting him just give it to me how many kids do you have i have two so my son's 11 and my daughter's nine um and oh. so i had this yeah, I've had this beautiful gift because um, they're in this really um, this this age where they can be influenced so much, and so I've, I was given a gift of these past three years of just really pouring into these kiddos and and teaching them and being with them and loving on them and uh, just helping them in any way I can. So, you know, the time that I've gotten with my kids over the past few years that's been the biggest gift I've been given. Uh, and that was all because I stood up and I said, nope, I'm I'm done, which was not an, not an easy road. Like standing up and, and saying you're done in the fire department, mm, doesn't go well. It, it, let, it, was, uh, it was a fight to get out. There was uh, several doctors with all kinds of different opinions and, uh, you know, the city fighting against me. And it, it was not an it was not an easy road for sure. Well, what were the doctors fighting against you about just? No, so everybody had a different opinion of, of whether I actually had post-traumatic stress or not, right? Um, because post-traumatic stress, it's not a, it's not like an elbow or a knee injury where you can put it under an X-ray and you can say, "Yep, there it is." It that, that's it. You know, it's it's so um, it's just based off opinions of doctors, and so a lot of doc- doctors just don't believe you. They think you're full. Of, they're full. They think you're full of shit. <laughs> so it's. It's a battle. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, for me, I'm like, I'm not the one that, that said I needed time off from work. I got told I had to leave. Mm-hmm. There was no option for me. It was like, hey, man, you need to take a day off work. And I was like, okay, whatever. If you guys say so. I had too much. I had way too much ego to ever say that I couldn't do the job. There is no way. There was no way. My ego was so big. There is no way I would have stood up and said, hey, I can't do this job anymore, right? Not until I stepped out of it, and I was like, ooh, I'm not doing good. I'm really not okay. I'm really way worse than I even ever thought about realizing. And when I set my ego aside, man, I tell you what, it was a lot harder to get out than it would have been to just go back in because I could have just went back right into it. I could have just said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I can handle it, no problem. But what have I? What I was truthful with myself. I was truthful, and I said, mm, "I don't have the capacity anymore. I don't have the ability to go back and, and add more crap to my already full bucket that I'm working on slowly cleaning out from all these years of, of shit and all these coworkers I've lost and all this crap I've dealt with. Like, mm, I'm good, right?" I chose the harder path. I tell you what, it's I'm glad I did because as I've stood up, I've met more and more and more and more people that look up to me now and say, "Good for you, man," because I don't, I don't, I can't, right? So, yeah, it's, I'm glad to hear that you finally saw it in yourself that you couldn't do it no more. Um, it's just a shame that in the military communities, like, yeah, of course we see you know, a bunch of gun battles, explosions, stuff like that, which does cause PTSD too, but 
you know, just because you're not seeing them every day, the fact that you saw kids and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, not just kids, but males and females, and some of the worst states you can see a person in, how would you not think that doesn't isn't going to trigger PTSD? I don't understand that. It's just because you're totally. not getting blown up while, while it's happening. I don't understand that. So, I mean, we got people joining the military now going to basic training and they're getting PTSD from it. It's like, really? So, but yet here you are 18 years in a fire department. Saw well, over 50, you said children. Yeah. I, I don't want to elaborate on what you saw, of course, but I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. So, um, totally. So you got out and I've heard rumors that you are starting your own business. Uh, can you elaborate on what you're doing, what you're starting now? Yeah, actually, you know, I'm, uh, I'm starting my own IME business. So I, uh, you know, I was on this path of doing breath work um, and the breath work was phenomenal. It was great, but it's just, it's not, it's not, well, it's not for me. It's not where I'm meant to be spending my time. Uh, it's not what I'm meant to be focusing on. So I'm actually, uh, I just started my own IV company. It's called Awaken IV. My whole journey has been an awakening of uh, really discovering who I truly was. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going out and doing these IV treatments that give vitamin C and glutathione and B12 and B-complex and magnesium. Um, and these vitamin treatments just help people stay healthy. So it's it's an incredible job. It's an it's I mean I guess it's my own business now, but it's an incredible thing to go out and do. I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the uh, just I still enjoy talking to people, and uh, I'm an extrovert, so I like to be out and about. And so yeah, I'm really excited about uh, this journey I'm on. So what exactly now? What is what's the specific purpose behind these vitamins? Are these IV so vitamins? there's yeah totally. So there's a few things that you know. Number one, to keep yourself healthy. Um, just so I give myself a, a, a treatment once monthly, and my immune system's rock solid. I never get sick. I see sick people all the time. Uh, it, I take a, a, a com compound called NAD, NAD plus. Um, NAD plus helps with your mental health. Uh, it's actually the closest we've been to the fountain of youth, so it helps us to uh, regenerate our cells. It helps our body overall. Um, we can give it if you have an acute illness. So high-dose vitamin C and glutathione in an acute illness situation will slow down your uh, – it'll, it'll speed up your recovery time. So generally, I give these IVs to people 24 to 48 hours. They're feeling 100%. Um, the other one that's this popular is like a migraine or hangover. Migraine or hangover, I'll wipe them out of you in 30 minutes. Come in, I put together a cocktail, and you're feeling better. Thirty minutes, and you can go about your day. So these, uh, these, these IVs are they're powerful stuff. Now, the migraine one is that like for people just once in a while that have a migraine, or people that are susceptible to migraines constantly. Just if you catch a migraine, like if you catch an acute migraine and something you would usually go to the ER for, mm -hmm. rather than going to the ER, you can call me, and for about two hundred dollars. I'll give you the, the same treatment plus a little bit of extra, what stuff they can't operate in the ER. Uh, and I'll come to you and I'll be in and out within an hour. Whereas you go to the ER, you're going to sit there for five or six hours and you're going to get the, you're going to get an IV with the same things I have to offer you and it's going to cost you a thousand dollars. So this is the wave of what uh, healthcare is going to look like moving forward. We're going to see a lot more of this type of thing um, being the norm, especially uh, post C-19 
lot mm-hmm. of that changed a lot of a lot of the ways that people are, are doing things, and so and there's a huge awakening as to what's really going on and what what true medical care should look like. So you're gonna, because we don't we don't have uh, we don't have wellness care in the U.S. We have sick care. When you go to the doctor, it's sick care. They do nothing for you as far as uh, your well being. So we're going to see a lot more of that stuff try to start to um, ramp up in the U.S. It's funny you say sick care. I've been hearing that more and more, especially with the men and women my wife work wife works with in the nursing field, and she said that's all it is, just sick care. We ain't actually taking care of them. Just pop them full of meds when they're sick and nothing before it. I'm actually so. Is there an age limit to these, or is it anybody? Yeah, so twelve to however old. Okay. Twelve to over a hundred. I was kind of wondering because I know. My wife deals with migraines. I have mental health. And then it seems like we're stuck in this bubble down here in Texas. And it's not just my family. It's a couple families of just consistent overlapping sicknesses. I have six kids in the house, of course. So, of course, they're involved in school. Four of them are, excuse me. And they always bring sicknesses home. And it's like, so I'm just like, honestly, just always feeling sick, like the past like three months. I just can't get over it. Like, I'm sure, I don't know if you noticed that got this kind of lingering cough that just will not go away. And then she gets migraines all the time. So I've actually never heard of people doing this. So this is kind of, this is all new to me. So Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely something to look into. So when you, when you, when are you bringing it down here to Texas? <laughs> I don't know. I got, I got to get moving here in, in Colorado. Maybe uh, maybe about six months to a year before I'm ready to move. So, yeah, because we definitely need it down here. I know it's more dusty down here. So there's more uh, breathing issues down here than it is up in Colorado and stuff like that. But I don't know why you live in Colorado. It's always cold up there. I know this year has been brutal. Usually not this bad, but uh, yeah, I, 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 Colorado's been phenomenal for me. I love the mountains. I'm a I'm an outdoorsman, so I, I love being out in the woods. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been through it, never officially stopped. And the one time I've been through Colorado by, by Fort Carson, I got pulled over. So I try to avoid Colorado now, but, um, so how can people get a hold of you get in touch with you in your local area? Now, well, quick question. Now, is this, this is only like in person. You can't do this by mail or anything like that. Nope. This is all just, uh, administered because it's all, it's medical treatment. So I have a medical director that I use, um, you know, we source all of our stuff from uh, a 503 uh, compounding facility. So all this stuff is, you know, it's it's all um, highly regulated stuff. So. Okay. So how do people get a hold of you or find you in your area? Yeah. So uh, just me personally, you can uh, look up my journey. It's just nickwingo.com. It's got all my social links on it. Uh, and then the company is just Awaken IV, A-W-A-K-E-N-I-V.com. So that website is not quite up, but it will be here momentarily in about a week or so. So, Okay. So and so, uh, how many calls can you generally do in a day? Uh, I can do upwards of 10 a day. Oh, okay. So you're just running around all over, was it Denver, right? Yep, the whole Denver metro area. There's some days where it is long days for sure. I can imagine. So, well, it was a pleasure talking with you. And I, I know I'll be hearing about you again here soon. And uh, I hope I can follow up with you and see how business is going here in a few months. So, 
Uh, do you have any questions or anything of me? No, but I appreciate you bringing me on the podcast, man. I enjoyed the conversation. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Swandingo Files with Nick Wingo. Basically, the future of medicine coming right to your front door. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking and keep Swandingo going.